This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Valor today, tackling some of your shore excursion questions. Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News, and we might have time to answer a couple of questions about NCL and Disney Cruise Line with Richard. We'll see how the show comes into play. On Cruise Radio Rewind over the weekend, we had Carnival's lead design architect, Joe Farkas, on. He was from 1977 to 2014, Carnival's basically entertainment architect. And uh, if you missed that interview, go back and listen to it. We did give some books away. So congratulations to Jose, Christy, Brock, Kevin, Amanda, and Derek. If you missed your chance to grab a free copy, I did uh, forward the URL cruiseradio.net slash book to Amazon to pick up a copy. I have to tell you, I'm not a big reader. Um, I do like visual, so I love this book because there was 250 photos and also um, just pages. It's a story, right? So it's from 1977 to 2014 of how it's a peek behind the curtain, that's all I can really say, of the entertainment and the architecture of these ships. Just a really, really cool read. So cruiseradio.net slash book will get you a copy over there. A new video on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel of Carnival Legend, a deck-by-deck walkthrough. And that's all I have to say. So Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Carnival's upcoming ship has finally completed sea trials. Yeah, Carnival Panorama completed its series of sea trials earlier this week. And as in all sea trials, officers, engineers, and technicians were aboard Carnival Panorama to put the new ship through her paces. So after undergoing rigorous tests and exercises, Carnival's Panorama sea trials were successful. The ship is still in the final phases of construction. And as we both mentioned before, at this time, the transatlantic crossing isn't going to be open for reservations. The inaugural three-day cruise, which will be open for reservations, will take place in Long Beach, California on December 11th of this year. And following that big event on December 14th, Carnival Panorama will begin year-round seven-day Mexican Riviera cruises, visiting Puerto Vallarta, Cabo San Lucas, and Mazatlan. So it makes me wonder if in the next couple of months we're going to see Carnival roll out a transatlantic voyage because the company took quite a hit taking Carnival Vista out of service for all those weeks and having to rent that floating dry dock and all of that. So curious to see. Yeah, um, that's true. So, you, you know, if they, I've been on um, inaugural transatlantics that were open for business and they still had the construction guys hammering and laying carpet and and everything else. So it's quite possible they might, at the last minute, try to get some revenue going. MSC Cruises showed us a bit more about their upcoming private island. They did. So scheduled to open in the Bahamas in November, MSC just gave us another peek at what we can expect at their Ocean Key Marine Reserve. So it's it's their new private destination. It's located 65 miles off of Miami and takes up the entire 120-square-acre island. The main feature on the island is this 98-foot-tall lighthouse, and the entire project is said to run about $200 million. So there'll be a Hemingway-themed beach bar, and Yacht Club guests will have their own private area on the island. All the beaches will have lifeguards, but there won't be any motorized water toys. It'll be paddle boards and things like that. 
So also with a name like Marine Reserve, MSC is planting only Bahamian native plants and at the same time attempting to restore the fragile coral reefs that surround the island. And as every other cruise line's private island has, this one will also have the usual barbecue buffet. And all MSC ships departing from Miami will include a stop at Ocean Key. And if you want to see the video rendering of this, you can check out cruiseradio.net. We posted a video of it over there. This next story, Sherry, I smell a rat. Carnival (laughs) releases a crew gratitude series of videos. Yeah, this could be a somewhat misunderstood venture. Carnival is releasing a four-part video series called Crew Gratitude. It's being distributed to travel agents to share with their clients. I'd like to see how that goes. The videos feature six crew members who talk about the impact that Carnival's guests have made on their lives and families through their gratuities. So the crew featured in the videos includes housekeeping staff and dining room waiters, So, you know, as we were talking earlier, is this an appeal to convince passengers not to remove gratuities? What's the what's the deal here? And it's also interesting because people are finalizing their bookings now through Carnival's 800 number. And one of the first questions they're being asked is, would you like to prepay your gratuities? Which seems new because I remember in the past when I've dealt with the Carnival customer service, I've never been asked that before. So I think there is this big push. No, I haven't either. I mean, they'll it'll sometimes show up in, in documents with different cruise lines, you know, the option to um, prepay your gratuities, but no one's ever asked before. That's interesting. So there's a big push, I guess, to make sure that the crew gets their gratitude. And not to point any fingers, but on the last night of the cruise, that line to remove gratuities is pretty long. This is definitely an emotional tug at the heartstrings play. Yeah, I think that's what it is, yeah. you know, let them talk about how it's impacted their lives and and tug a little bit, and hopefully um, people won't remove their gratuities. A little glitch caused a cruise ship to return to port. Yeah, and Celebrity Solstice was forced to return to Seattle soon after it had just gotten underway on an Alaska cruise heading up towards Ketchikan. So the ship lost all power, but eventually regained it, and the U.S. Coast Guard was standing by in case they were needed. So Solstice limped back into port and will remain in Seattle until it passes inspection. And a little bit of comedy thrown into the cruise news here. Chair hogs are having their day in court. What the heck is going on? Yeah, this is this is a little humorous and it's kind of pathetic, actually, but <laughs> it was bound to happen. So the name of the ship and the exact country isn't clearly stated, but suffice it to say that the incident was first reported in a German newspaper. And according to sources... Uh, The ship was off in the Indian Ocean heading towards Mauritius, and the ship's captain had just announced that a pool party was about to begin when two couples, one was in their 70s and uh, the other couple was about in their 40s, they both tried to stake out the same lounge chairs. So with neither couple giving up their squatter's rights, a fight ensued whereby the older man claims to have been injured by the younger guy who possibly threw the first swing. (laughs) <laughs> so the bottom line is now the older man is suing for about, in U.S. dollars, it comes to about $4,700 for injuries and what has been filed as, quote, loss of holiday pleasure, unquote. So when the case goes to court, both parties will be called to testify and also summoned to court is a ship's security guard and the defendant's mother-in-law. The case is going to be heard in a court in Auerbach, 
which is located in the eastern German state of Saxony. <laughs> so they're duking it out over lawn chairs. And this is unreal. It's not going to be long until the cruise lines say, you know what, we're just going to start renting these loungers out. Yeah, you know what, it doesn't, or I don't know if they still do it, but I remember on um, Princess up in the Serenity Lounge, you had to um, pay for the lounge, lounge chairs for the half day or a full day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, the ones by the by the main pool. Who knows? They may have name tags on them one day <laughs> and a price tag next to it. Listener question comes from Mike. Uh, Mike says, I heard you and Sherry discussing the med. I'm doing my first ever med cruise in May on Allure of the Seas. I can't wait. However, I've never flown to Europe and I'm freaking out about the price. Airlines I've never heard of are showing fares from three to $400 and major airlines are showing everything from $1,200 and up. Any suggestions? Wow. Well, Mike, first of all, I'm so excited that you're going to do your first Europe cruise and the Allure will be a wonderful ship to do that on. But before you pass out from sticker shock and the huge gap in prices, there's, you know, keep in mind that these low cost air carriers are going to nickel and dime you for everything. So while $400 from an airline you've never heard of um, sounds pretty good, you know, they're going to charge you for your luggage, for your carry-ons, for more legroom, for just about everything. And then the $1,200 does sound a bit excessive, but you didn't mention what city pairs you were pricing, meaning what city you're flying into and out from, or if it's a round trip. Um, And that can make a big difference. So my first suggestion would be to find a reputable travel agency in your area, or even, you know, it can be on the internet, but If there's one in your area, call and ask if they work with any air consolidators and then ask them to give you their prices. Um, Usually if they have these air consolidators um, in their Rolodex, you'll pay a lot less money for the ticket. And they'll get a little, you know, they'll get they'll charge you a service fee, but the savings can be half of what you would pay if you called Orbitz or Expedia. And also. Did you price air through through Royal Caribbean? Because they may have a promotion going on, too, that, um, you know, might not be advertised, might just pop up out of nowhere. And last but not least, I've heard and since I don't fly, but this is what I've heard through the years that the best day to book air reservations is on a Tuesday. So maybe try that, too. And, you know, it's similar to Amtrak. They fluctuate. It's all supply and demand and capacity controlled. So, you know, if you get bad prices on a Monday, try on a Tuesday. And then the other thing I would suggest that if you have time while you're um, if you have time while you're in Europe, um, price out what it would cost to fly in maybe a day earlier or leave a day after the cruise, because that could have a different price structure, too. And if the cost is equal, then you could stay at a hotel for that extra day instead of paying airfare to fly home earlier. Does, does that make sense? So, you know, you've got all that distance for this fabulous cruise. If you can include a day pre or post and not have to pay extra because of a fluctuation in the air price, you know, why not do that? Yeah, and sometimes that's where that pesky Saturday night stay comes into play, where the airlines can capitalize on people who aren't staying a certain amount of time because they know they can get the money from the business travelers who are. Yeah. I also want to touch on airline consolidators in case you're not familiar with it. An airline consolidator is a company that buys airline tickets in bulk or at special negotiated rates. They can typically only be done through a travel agent. 
in the past, I have saved up to 85, 86% on a ticket from JFK to Barcelona. Like legit, it was 3,100 on American Airlines and two or 300 something buying it through the consolidator. So I would definitely check that out because the deals are out there. I mean, it's like Sam's or Costco, right? They buy in bulk so they can sell cheaper. It's just a matter of finding them. Yeah. And, and you do have to go through a reputable travel sure. agent or agency in order to have access to consolidator rates. If you want to learn more about airline consolidators and see exactly how I saved it, I walked you through step by step. I just published an article on cruiseradio.net on how I did that. I'll also link it up in the show notes here. All right, Sherry Laskin with cruisemaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Question and answer time with Rob from cruisingexcursions.com. Hi, Rob. Hey, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. First question comes from Cynthia. We are headed to Greece and Croatia in early fall out of Venice. Any suggestions on excursions or must-do for a split Croatia would be appreciated. This is our first time cruising outside of the typical Caribbean cruise. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, Croatia is becoming very popular at the moment for cruisers. Um, one tour I could probably recommend straight away is our Split and Trogia tour, which from the port of Split... This excursion will take you through to Split and Trogia, which are two Croatian cities with absolutely incredible histories. So first of all, you'd spend the uh, first part of your tour um, having a tour of, of Trogia. From there, you'll see the Cathedral of St. Lawrence, which is absolutely breathtaking. And then you'd have a walking tour around the old town center. So you'd see um, the Royal Palace, the Town Hall, um, the Benedictine Monastery as well. And that will all be in um, the city of Trogea. So you'll also be getting knowledge from the guide on the history of the place as well. And then from there, you'd move on to Split, where you'd have a walking tour of Split and the Diocletian Palace. Um, this was built by the Roman emperors back in the 4th century AD. So um, obviously a very ancient building, um, still standing. I mean, again, it's one of those sites that a lot of people do want to take in when they're in Split. Um, and it is absolutely amazing to see. So I would definitely recommend our essential collection, Split and Trogia Tour. Next question. What is the best way to experience Corfu? Corfu. With a lot of, um, a lot of like, British customers, Corfu is one of those islands that a lot of people go to on a land holiday, uh, maybe for a week or two weeks. Uh, but it is becoming really, really popular for cruisers as well. Um, so probably the tour I would always recommend for any first-time visitors to Corfu would be our Corfu Flavors and Sights Tour. Um, so, you know, rather than just kind of relaxing on the beach and doing the whole touristy things, this will take to actually see, like, the real side of Corfu. So you'll travel along the coastlines, taking the local villages, which are really pretty, really quaint, um, and actually learn about the history and the day-to-day -day life of typical Corfu rather than the hustle and bustle of all the tourist traps um, and that sort of thing that it's kind of known for, really. Um, you know, this is the tour I would recommend if it's your first time in Corfu, you're trying to get the most out of your short stay there, then this is the tour for you. Um, you know, you're going to see some of those sites, such as the Palio Castrista Beach, uh, which is a gorgeous uh, touristy beach. Um, you'll have views from the Bella Vista. And then we'll also take in a little visit to a local kumquat distillery. Um, so maybe if you want to pick up some souvenirs or something there, you would have the option as well. Staying on Greece here, um, any suggestions for Crete? We do have some tours in Crete. Um, the one I would recommend is the Hania Town and Surroundings Tour. So it's only a four-hour tour, um, and it gives you really the, you know, the best of picturesque Hania, really, rather than fo focusing on the port town of Crete itself. Taking a scenic drive where you drive through all the olive groves, the cypress trees. You're taking a visit to the monastery of Chrysopigi, which is a 16th century monastery, um, absolutely fabulous building. And you'd also take in the Venizelos monument as well. 
then once you've um once you've spent like the time visiting the surroundings of Hania, you'll then go into the city itself where you see the cathedral, um, the market hall, and they actually have a 15th century lighthouse there, um, which is one of the main attractions for Hania. Uh, a lot of people do want to go and see it. Um, very like, old-fashioned looking, as you can imagine, from the 15th century. Um, and that part of the tour there will be a walking tour, so at quite a relaxed pace, and uh, really getting a feel for the town itself of Hania. All right, going up to Northern Europe now, looking for shore excursions in Stavanger, Norway. The cathedral looks beautiful. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, this one's on my bucket list. Um, since I've been with the company, I've like, I need to go to Stavanger. Um, the tour I would recommend is our Stavanger City Highlights and the Three Swords. Now, it's a three-hour tour, so nothing too strenuous. Um, you know, quite short, quite relaxed pace to the tour. And it's going to give you everything that Stavanger has to offer. Um, so you'll take in the cathedral where you'll have chance there to, to take in some photo opportunities. Um, you'll then commence on a walking tour and you take in the Olland the Hog Tower and of course the famous sword in the rock monument. Now this is really what sold it to myself. Um, it's the three giant swords built into the hillside and it looks like such an ancient monument um, like it could be from like Stonehenge period or something, mm-hmm. but it was only built in 1983. Oh, wow. But it really has that aura, um, and it, it really captivated me when I saw it, and it's definitely on my bucket list. Um, so, of course, that will be included within the tour as well. And there's plenty of photo opportunities given, um, and you'll have the free time at the end of the tour where you can explore, maybe get yourself some souvenirs. Stavanger's known as the land of the trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, in Nordic culture, so you can maybe get yourself some little troll memorabilia and that sort of thing. But um, it's definitely a unique place, that's for sure. Definitely worth a visit. Our last question here, we're visiting Cork, Ireland with the kids in September and looking to visit the Blarney Castle. We need some tour ideas. Fantastic. Um, so, of course, you know Cork is a very popular port of call on the British Isles for many cruisers, um, mainly being because of the Blarney Castle, and the Blarney Stone that you all may have heard of. So the tour I'll recommend is the Cork Highlights and Blarney Castle tour. So with this excursion, you take a scenic journey to kind of experience the highlights of Cork and take that panoramic drive through the city. Um, And then from there, you would would end up at Blarney Castle, which of course is like the jewel of the excursion. It's kind of what everyone wants to take in when they're in Cork. Now your entrance is included within Blarney Castle, and you also do have the option. Now, of course, if you're brave enough, you have the option to try and kiss the Blarney Stone. Um, you have to be quite limber, so make sure you've done your morning stretches. But um, it's definitely worth uh, worth a visit to the castle and get in that whole, you know, the local lore and the culture of the of the Blarney Stone. Um, it's quite typical to the Irish. So, you know, if you're ported in Cork, it would be a shame to miss that. Um, so, definitely would recommend the Cork highlights and the Blarney Castle tour. Okay, Rob, so I guess this might be a stupid question, but there, I'm sure at this point there's been millions of lips on that stone, right? There has indeed, as you can imagine, quite possibly millions. Yeah, so you do have to be brave if you want to kiss it or beef, beef up on antibiotics. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Make sure you have some antibiotics or something <laughs> like that. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, it's definitely worth it for yeah. all the good luck it brings you, you know. <laughs> We've been talking with Rob from CruisingExcursions.com. If you have any listener questions about a cruise excursion, drop me an email. We'd love to answer them on the show. Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Rob, thank you so much, my friend. Always a pleasure. You're very welcome, Doug, as always. Thank you. 
If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at CruiseRadio.net. So Kevin just got back from a five-night cruise aboard Carnival Valor out of New Orleans and went down to, or over to rather, Cozumel and Progresso. Kevin's on the line. Hey, bud. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good, man. So as we always do, we're going to take a step back here and uh, get some pre-cruise thoughts about Carnival Valor because this ship is, it's been in Galveston for pretty much years and now here it is, uh, you know, in New Orleans. So give me some pre-cruise thoughts. Yeah. So we just wanted, uh, you know, it was right after my wife kind of finished up her uh, school year because she works in academics. And so we typically try and do some sort of vacation, whether it's land-based or, or a cruise. And this year we chose a cruise. And this one worked pretty well. We've never been to Progresso before. Obviously, you know, we cruise a lot. So we've been to Cozumel lots, lots of times. And so this was just a nice opportunity to try a different ship and, you know, going on New Orleans, which we've never cruised out of New Orleans before. And you're up there in the Northwest. So did you spend any pre-cruise time or post-cruise in New Orleans? Not too much. Um, we flew down the day before because uh, it does, you know, as normal, takes takes all day to get down there and, and never know about delays and all that fun stuff. But you know, we did fly in the night before and uh, stayed kind of down not too far from the cruise port at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Got a really great rate for a pretty nice hotel. It was kind of rainy when we when we got in, so we really ended up not exploring like we kind of hoped to, uh, just because it was in the middle of, I don't know if you kind of remember much, but beginning of May, that area of the country was getting hammered with lots of rain and everything. Yeah. And so we really didn't get a chance to walk around too much. But at least we got in day before, so we were ready to go the following day. And you make your way to the cruise port. How was embarkation? It was different this time. So we actually woke up the mor- that morning and had a message from Carnival uh, letting us know that the ship was delayed getting into port. Um, this was the first cruise uh, coming out of New Orleans, so it was repositioning over from Galveston. And I guess either the weather or something delayed its arrival. And so they let us know, you know, hey, hold off on getting to the port by uh, two, roughly about two hours is what they told us uh, to do. And it was also not going out of the typical Carnival cruise port in New Orleans because the glory, the glory was also in port that day. 
And uh, so they moved us over to the Julia Street Terminal. And so you could tell they were a little bit out of sorts or so. So when we arrived at the terminal, there was the line was out the door and not moving at all. And so it was hard to tell really what was going on. They weren't really giving us a good updates or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it took probably a good 45 minutes probably from curb to ship. And that's even with like the faster to the fun pass and everything like that. So um, it was really uh, a slow go uh, this time around. What do you think about faster to the fun? We usually get it. You know, I'm not sure the benefits are all there too much, you know, if it's really worth it or not. But one of the biggest perks we really love is the fact that we can go straight to our stateroom Mm -hmm. once we get on board and, you know, drop off our stuff and kind of just get to breathe for a second and kind of just get ready to go, you know, because we do like to get there fairly early in the boarding process and we usually always get it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, So you make your way on board Valor. What were your first impressions? My first impressions were that, I mean, you could definitely tell the ship was a little, you know, one of the, one of their older ships, but, you know, it was still, still well-maintained and still um, well taken care of. And they, with the fact that they were in a uh, transition over from Galveston to New Orleans, I think they did like a real deep clean is what I was told. Um, You know, and so you could tell even like when we got in, there were still a lot of like air dryers on the floor uh, where they were doing some uh, steam cleaning of, of the carpets and so forth. And, yeah, I mean, it's still a good ship. I didn't realize that ship is uh, was launched in 2004, so 15 years old at this point. Yeah, I, it's it's definitely not one of the newer ones, but uh, it's, I mean, still, I mean, they they still are taking good care of it. Yeah, Katie Couric is the godmother. Interesting. So you make your way yeah. to the stateroom because you have faster to the fun. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? We had a uh, balcony room up on uh, deck eight, and it was pretty good. I mean, in general, it was a standard carnival uh, balcony-type rooms. As far as space uh, in the bathroom and storage for all of y'all's stuff, how was that? It was pretty good. Uh, you know, no, no problem at all. I mean, it was a five-night cruise, so, you know, we didn't have as much as we normally would on a seven- or eight-night cruise, but, uh, you know, still plenty of storage and, you know, the typical, you know, out- outlets and so forth throughout the room, and, yeah, no, no problem for a, for a five-nighter. Is the Valor's bathroom just i'm just curious here and it really makes no difference one way or another but is the the color palette in the bathroom still pink or is it blue when, on that ship do you remember i feel like it was kind of a bluish or greenish color okay. if i remember right one okay. of the, one of the two but not i don't think it was pink yeah i remember triumph had this pink just gross pink bathroom it was just like yeah blah um all right so let's talk about some dining here on carnival valor Uh, and we'll start in the main dining room first what time dining did you have and how was your experience we had early dining and the experience was pretty good uh in general you know service was really quick and the wait staff was very friendly and they knew exactly you know actually after the first couple days they knew you know like i i enjoy you know iced tea for instance with dinner and so that was always out there usually pretty quickly after either when we got there or shortly thereafter sitting down. And my wife often gets, you know, a bottle of wine uh, on the first night and spreads it out throughout the cruise where they kind of hold on to the bottle uh, for her. And it was always there uh, as soon as we sat down, uh, which was pretty nice. So you live in the Northwest and you go to early dining. So that means you're pretty much eating like at four o'clock your time back home, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, it is pretty early for sure, especially at the the, the time difference. But I think the big thing we enjoy about doing early dining versus later is having more options uh, for the entertainment later on. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And let's talk about the Lido Deck Buffet. How was that? It was pretty good. Uh, we ended up actually eating there a couple times. Uh, the first night in particular, we actually had dinner there. Because of the the delay in boarding and, and everything and the delay in uh, leaving New Orleans, we actually ended up being about three or so hours late getting out of New Orleans. Hmm. Um, you know, because of because of all this all the issues I mentioned earlier. And so it kind of threw off the schedule of the things we typically like to do on embarkation day. And so we, we ended up missing our early dining time and we had dinner there at the Lido buffet. And it was actually really nice because, you know, got to have a nice window view of, uh, of new Orleans, especially as we were sailing away at about seven o'clock that night. When a ship is delayed like that, do they delay the sail away party or does a sail away party still happen at like five o'clock? And then it's like, okay, we're just waiting to leave the dock now. No, everything was pretty much delayed. I mean, okay. they, I mean, the mustard drill at one point, I mean, actually we had the mustard drill, I'd say probably about 530 or so. Mm-hmm. And then things, even then after that, like they were expecting us to leave shortly after that, of course. And they came on several times saying that baggage was the big delay that they were just, they had everyone on board, but they were just waiting for everyone's bags to get on board. And, you know, you, we actually, I mean, our balcony room overlooked the terminal building. And so you could tell they had an abnormally you know, large amount of bags and they were literally hauling them in like cart by cart across, you know, down the pier. And it was really kind of crazy because you could see that they had these other types of, you know, almost like the airport type uh, baggage carts, you know, the long yeah. trolleys of carts that they were not using. And I don't know if those were other cruise lines equipment that they just weren't allowed to use or what, since again, it wasn't their normal terminal. Let's talk about other food on board. Um, Yep. Anything about like guys or blue iguana or pizza? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, you got to try all three of them, right? And we we definitely did throughout the entire ship or entire cruise, and uh, they were all just as good as as expected. Uh, very short lines, all three of them. Do you ever hit up blue iguana for breakfast? We did, uh, especially on. That's usually where we tend to go on uh, debark day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's usually quick and easy and, and uh, really good. Uh, highly recommend it for breakfast. Let's talk about entertainment for this five-night cruise. What did you think of it? It was pretty good. Uh, so we, we caught a couple of the production shows. Uh, we, t- we caught the Country Road Show, which we've had on other uh, sailings before, but we've always just never made it to it. Um, we thought it was okay. Uh, <laughs> you know. But then we, we the other one was, I think, Epic Rock. And we were pretty impressed with that show. We thought it was really, really well done. And you know, really, yeah, so really enjoyed it. We also typically enjoy going to the comedy shows, and we catch those usually every night. I think there's one night they didn't have any at all, which was kind of surprising, uh, especially for such a short sailing. But it was the same two comedians throughout the trip too. So, and they had pretty much new shows every night. There's one night in particular they had a repeat of another one, which I thought was kind of odd that they would throw a repeat on a different night versus the same night. Like I think I've seen on other sailings. Yeah before but uh uh still all in all is uh pretty good shows that country road show it's so i i guess the word you would use is hokey like they really yeah. just exploit every country stereotype out there on this show they do <laughs> I mean, no, it's they, awful. they definitely do howdy partner oh gosh yeah um yep. how about music around the ship as far as like along the promenade it was pretty good i mean they had a, one, a group that was usually right right across from the casino and uh, they were there almost every night and, you know, were, did pretty well. And they occasionally have some uh, mu- music in the atrium area. Uh, this ship has the standard, you know, you know, from deck like three all the way up to the ceiling, you know, type atrium. And 
where they often had a lot of the trivia items and also some live music. The thing I thought was really weird, and maybe it's just because we came off of the horizon, you know, several months ago, and it's a little bit of a different, you know, atmosphere, especially because I was around spring break. But the atrium, like in particular, man, it was dead after about eight or nine o'clock. And I always remember, like on, uh, I think it was Horizon in particular, and even some of the other sailings we've been on, that was usually pretty lively throughout the evening, you know, and pretty late too. But, you know, still, you know, besides that, I mean, the the entertainment and the music, you you know, we thought was pretty good. How about the casino? Because it's pretty much right there off the atrium on deck five. Um, How was the smoke situation in and around the casino? It was not as bad as I expected, you know, because I do remember from like, you know, again, my last sailing was on the horizon and the smoke in the horizon was really bad, uh, right? Especially when you walk through the casino and you kind of had to. But on this particular ship, you don't have to. You can actually kind of walk around the casino a little bit and, you know, which was nice, uh, you know, and where um, you didn't really smell the smoke too badly uh, going down the promenade. Let's talk about sea days. How was the flow of the ship and crowds and congestion? I thought it handled itself pretty well. Um, I think it was a sold-out sailing, which you know, obviously most cruises these, these days are, but it seemed to handle itself pretty well. So on this class of ships, they kind of have a nice-sized buffet, so it pretty much handles everyone well on sea days. Did you, did you find that to be the case? I thought that was the case uh, for sure. And we caught the buffet, I think, one day for lunch on, on the sea day. And then we also went to the uh, the old-fashioned barbecue place up, uh, right above the buffet uh, one other day as well. And, and both times, the, the lines or the crowds were not too bad. You could easily find a table and uh, find you know get through the food lines pretty easily. Let's talk about your ports of call. You went to Cozumel and Progresso. What did you do in Cozumel? Cosmo, we did an uh, excursion called uh, Everybody Loves Rays and Sharks. You know, pretty nice. It was about a, I mean, not a long excursion. I think it was about three hours or so. But, you know, you got to swim. Uh, with, you know, it, was about, it was divided into two, two 30 or 45-minute increments, I guess you could say, actually in the water. Uh, the first 30 to 45 minutes was uh, snorkeling and getting to, to swim with the stingrays. And then they had a couple of uh, nerf sharks that they, they had in there as well. And uh, that's pretty cool to get to see those up and up close and not feel scared, obviously, of having anything happen. And then the uh, second half of the, you know, the next, you know, 30, 45 minute increment was uh, where they, it was more of like an educational and photo op experience where they brought up a stingray and would take a couple photos with you and obviously try and sell them to you later on. And you got to hold them and so forth. And that was pretty nice. Was this done through the ship? It was done through the ship. Yeah. It's a, I, I think I've seen it several times in a, as a standard uh, Cozumel excursion through carnival would you recommend it i would yeah. i definitely would it was it was a lot of fun cool and then progresso so i've never been to progresso i don't even think i could tell you where progresso is but uh how so, was progresso yeah. yeah it was pretty good so progresso uh so just geographically it's it's on the other side of the yucatan peninsula from cozumel uh so it's on the true gulf of mexico side of things and so we did the uh, it's called Mikasa as Sukasa, and it's like one of those uh, private beach house type situations where you're in a small group, and I want to say probably about fifteen to twenty people at most, okay. including us. And they, you know, they have a all you can eat buffet and open bar, and you know, nice beach uh, area and pool and, uh, and and things like that. And you're there for about four to five hours in total, and definitely highly recommended as well. Uh, you know, it's a really nice place. 
So I'm going to sound really stupid here, but I want to learn. So I'm going to ask you, when you dock in Progresso, are you right in the middle of the action? Or are you having to walk a little bit? Or does the ship tender there? Like, Give me some information about the port itself. Progresso is a dock, uh, and it's I mean, it's a very small port. I don't think they can handle too many ships, I mean, maybe two at most. And I think they even said on our way to the to the beach house that they often only have like one uh, one ship a day. And uh, I think they I think it's only really Carnival that actually goes there. I, I think maybe Royal Caribbean does nowadays, but I think mostly it's just Carnival ships coming in there, and it's only a couple, handful that do. And the actual overall port area is pretty small. I mean, the dock's not very long. It's not even, you know, like in Cozumel, you kind of walk forever, it seems like, mm-hmm. to get to the, uh, especially if you park at the the far end of the, the dock the dock area um, to get to the main uh, shopping area and so forth. But uh, here it's pretty quick, pretty pretty short uh, dock and right into the area. You know, the shore excursions are right at the end of the pier. Um, and then right behind that's where all the shopping is. And they do have a decent amount of shopping right there on on the port side, but not nearly as much as you'd see in Cozumel. So I didn't realize this. Um, Progresso is about 600 miles, just pretty much due south of New Orleans. It is, yeah. yeah. It's pretty much right, right, due south of New Orleans, or you know, or you know, south and east of uh, Galveston. So, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the five night cruises out of Galveston and New Orleans, I think, hit up, you know, Progresso and Cozumel. I also even think that I think there was even a shore excursion that you could do where you got actually off the ship in Cozumel. And they arrange for like hotel and you spent the night and you could see more of like that whole Yucatan area. And then you'd rejoin the ship in Progresso. But that's not something that we usually, you know, we want to stay with the ship. Yeah, definitely. So you make your way back to New Orleans. Was the debarkation a little smoother than embark? It was a little bit smoother, but the lines were still pretty long. Um, even when they called our uh, our debark group, um, you know, the line probably stretched from, I can't remember if, if you got off on deck three or four, but let's say, it, I think it was on three. And so you got, the lines were stretching back up to deck four, and then you went down the steps and stretched all the way around to deck three. And it was it was a pretty lengthy process from what we're used to on even, honestly, even the horizon, we got off a lot quicker. Um, and they usually have a nightmare of a, a depart process at times. But this one probably took about 40 minutes as well. Um, you know, the line was steadily moving, but it was just a long line up from getting off the ship. And then even once you got down into the terminal, just getting to baggage area, the baggage claim area and then through customs, it, it did take a while uh, for sure. But, you know, all in all, it was still still wasn't a bad process. And we ended up staying in New Orleans. We had a, a flight later in the day. And so uh, we end up utilizing a baggage service company, not through Carnival, but um, called Carry On Baggage Services. Mm-hmm. And they would they picked up our baggage actually right after we cleared customs and held it for us and took it to took it to the airport. And we had a really great experience with them. So if anyone ever has a situation where their flight's not till later and they want to explore New Orleans a little bit before they headed to the airport. Um, it was nice. I definitely recommend that company for sure, you know, to, to do that type of, uh, you know, where, where you didn't have to haul your bags around town. We ended up doing a excursion, you could say on our own because uh, Carnival didn't really offer really any excursions like, you know, for this type of situation uh, where like out of like Miami and Fort Lauderdale, uh, they tend to offer a lot of different activities that you can do, you know, with an airport drop off later on. Mm-hmm. So we ended up doing this uh, steamboat Natchez and uh, it was really nice. I guess there's only two steamboats in the U.S. 
nowadays, and this is one of them. And I think the other one's up in uh, off of the Ohio River area. And it was like a two and a half hour, you know, Mississippi River cruise. You know, and that was really nice. And again, if anyone has a late flight, uh, it's definitely a nice, nice option to kind of help fill some time and see New Orleans from the Mississippi. Okay, so the steamboat thing sounds really cool. Was it just scenic cruising or was there lunch involved too? Either option. Okay. Um, so you could buy the lunch or you could uh, choose not to buy the lunch and uh, be on the same ship. But it's just through scenic cruising up and down the Mississippi. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you head to the airport, you use this bag service. So did they check your bag to your final destination when they picked the, your bag up by the ship, or did they meet you at the airport? They drop it off for you at the airport where you, you meet them at basically the check-in area. And they were right on time. I, mean, we, I think we had a pickup time of, say, 2.45, and mm-hmm. they were there probably even a couple minutes ahead of time. So no problems at all. How much is that service? I want to say twelve ninety nine per bag. Oh, that's awesome! So, wow. Yeah. yeah, so really not bad. I mean, you know, we had we basically had our two big bags and mm. you know stuffed our carry on type stuff into the big bags. You know, that way we didn't have to worry about you know more than that. So, you know, twenty five bucks basically, and to take your bags and store them for you know several hours. So no big deal. Any first time tips you have to offer for Carnival Valor? No, it is an older ship, and no, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that you know, the Horizon or Vista or, you know, the new, newer ships have, but um, they still have a lot of uh, nice things to offer. And, you know, still highly recommend trying them out. They usually, uh, the Valor usually has a really good price um, because it isn't the newest ship out there, but, you know, still great service. The very typical carnival experience that you'd expect on any of the, any of the ships was there. And uh, again, highly recommend them. Final thoughts of Carnival Valor. Definitely would sell them again. And, uh, can't wait to experience Carnival again in the future. Been talking with Kevin about his five-night cruise to Cozumel and Progresso from New Orleans aboard Carnival Valor. Kevin, thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. You are still listening to this podcast, and can I ask you a favor? It'll take 30 seconds, I promise. Could you leave a review wherever you listen to this show from, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play? I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon.